On this episode, you will learn about the supernatural power that's available to you when you rest and let God be God. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead will raise you to your purpose when you rest. Stay tuned. Life was bitter to the core. There was nothing to live for. Until love came. My name is Harold J. Perkins, and at the age of 17, I was selling drugs and on my way to an early grave. While sitting in my house with about 10 guys, God gave me an out-of-body experience, and I was lifted above the room. I could see everything moving in slow motion. After that, I got up and put those guys out, and I cried out to Jesus Christ. He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. I'm excited to continue talking about the rest of God, the rest that Jesus came to put us back into, the rest that God put man into at the beginning, but sin came in the picture and messed everything up. This world is not operating the way God intended it to operate in the beginning. Neither are most followers of Jesus Christ walking in the rest that he came to restore. If you read the first chapter of Genesis, God created all that mankind would need And at the end of the sixth day, he created man, man being man and woman. And in Genesis chapter two, he rested, declaring the seventh day a day of rest. From that day forward, man was to live in an eternal rest, resting in the work that God had already completed. Now, this does not mean that we lay back and rest all of our lives. This means that we have God's work involved in what we do. The Almighty. The all-powerful God is leading us. He's empowering us. His spirit and his angels are involved with us and more is accomplished with little effort on our part. Let me give you an example of how God taught me how to live in his rest. Just about every day before I go to work, I spend about 45 minutes in God's word, 20 minutes in praying in the spirit, and 20 minutes in praise and worship. I've done this for decades. Some mornings in the beginning, God would say to me, don't go into work at the normal time of 9 a.m. He would have me spend more time with him and in his word. I was in sales as an independent contractor on 100% commission, so I had this flexibility. Sometimes doing this, I would not get to the office until noon, and I would earn more money on those days than I did getting to work at 9 a.m. What was God doing? He was showing me that with his leading, with his rest, I could be blessed more than I would by laboring just with my own hands. This principle is throughout the Bible. In Genesis chapter 11, all the people were working together to build a tower, but they were doing it without God, trying to make a name for themselves. God got involved and caused their work to fail because they were doing it all for the wrong reason. In chapter 12, God found one man, Abraham, that would follow him and trust him to make him prosperous and great. He told him to leave where he was and go to a land that he would show him. He did, and one chapter later, God had made him very rich. 
His son, many years later, in Genesis chapter 26, was in a land that was experiencing a famine. None of the other farmers could get anything to grow. Isaac sowed seed with God's direction, and in the same year he saw a hundredfold return. And the Bible says that he waxed great and became very great. This is the rest of God. Obviously, he had something to do to plant seeds, but his work was blessed and empowered by God, so it was restful work. I know of many pastors and ministers who were laboring in ministry with very little to show for it because they were laboring, trying to work for God. But when they found out how to live by faith and let God do the work, their ministry went to another level. Why? Because they stopped trying to serve God and rested in God's work. And from their rest with God, they were able to serve people. This is what Jesus did. He received from God in the scriptures and in prayer, and he served the needs of people out of his relationship with God. And how did he serve people? He spoke words that released the kingdom of God to do the work. He said himself, I speak the words, my father does the works. The same thing that was meant to happen in the beginning of creation. The spirit of God is here to do the works. The angels of God are here to do the works, just like when Jesus walked the earth. But we have something greater than Abraham and his son Isaac had that I just mentioned. They look forward to a promise. We, because of Jesus, we now live in a finished work. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, his part of the work was over. He died in our place. He fulfilled the Old Testament law on our behalf, and Holy Spirit rose him from the dead. When Holy Spirit rose him from the dead, and we believe what was done for us, we were put back into the rest that Adam and Eve had before they sinned. Every believer in Jesus Christ were put back into God's rest. Now you may say, come on, Harold, I don't see many believers of Jesus Christ living like this. Well, let me show you why most are not. Listen to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Notice Jesus said, Come, learn of me, and you will find rest for your souls. So to walk in this rest, we've got to learn of Jesus. Not learn of religion, but of Jesus. We see Jesus in the Bible at 12 years old, learning the scriptures. If the Son of God, Jesus, had to learn to set an example and to give us rest, we need to learn also. This is the problem. Most believers know very little about the scriptures. We need knowledge of Jesus and what he has done for us to have rest. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So many people want peace, but it doesn't come through praying and fasting. It doesn't come through having somebody lay hands on you. We just read that grace and peace come through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Wow. Think about that. When I know what Jesus Christ has done for me, grace and peace is not added to my life. It's multiplied. Wow. And grace is an empowerment from God. The ability to do what you could not do without God. All this is multiplied through knowledge. In Hosea 4, 6, God said, My people 
are destroyed for lack of knowledge. All that Jesus has done to give us life and life more abundantly is destroyed in our lives through a lack of knowledge. The easy labor that God has asked us to do is to get knowledge of him and his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to Hebrews chapter four, verses nine through 12. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God. Now, he's about to go into what the word of God does. And he's talking about rest here. And he's saying that unbelief will hinder us from entering into God's rest. So obviously, the word of God is going to drive out unbelief and enable us to believe God. And if we believe God, then we'll be able to live in his rest. Listen to verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Is telling us that if we'll get into the word, the word will drive out unbelief and we'll begin to walk in this rest that Jesus came to put us back into. So the ball has been placed in our court. Jesus has finished the work. He has done all of the heavy lifting. And just like I said on the last episode, we are yoked together with him, just like a strong, mature ox is yoked to a young ox. Jesus is the older, mature, strong ox doing most of the labor. And we are the young oxes following along. And Jesus is doing most of the work. As long as we follow his leading, his counsel, his wisdom that is readily available to us, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I didn't say that Jesus did. Listen to Isaiah chapter 55 verses one through three. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come you to the waters. And he that has no money, come you buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now, I'm telling you, he's calling the word of God water. He's calling it wine and milk and bread. It's whatever you need it to be. I'm going to start over again at verse one. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come you to the waters. He's talking about the word of God. And he that has no money, come you buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfies not. Hearken unto me and eat you that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ears and come unto me. He's telling us to come hear his word. Come learn of his word. Incline your ears. Come unto me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. He's talking about the word of God here. He's saying, if you get what my word is saying, your soul will delight in fatness. All this is predicated on getting the knowledge of God and applying it to your life. When you get to know the integrity of God, that he will always honor his word. And then you've taken the time to get the knowledge of what he has said. You know the outcome. You know the end. In spite of all the opposing forces to what God has said to you, you know the end because God will honor his word. Listen to Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 11. 
For my thoughts, this is God talking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God and his word are one. When you know the word, you know the character of God. When you mix the word with the sunshine of God's presence in prayer and praise and worship, you will come to see the face of God. And he is beautiful. Few people in all of history have come to see how beautiful God is in this life. He is beautiful and he's available for all who are hungry and thirsty for him. He will satisfy you like nothing else. He's so awesome that King David said, I just want one thing, to dwell in your presence all the days of my life, to behold your beauty and to inquire in your temple. Wow. Because David had learned who God truly is, God took him from being a shepherd, one of the lowest jobs to have at that time, to king over his people. He protected him in every battle and made his son Solomon the wisest and wealthiest man who has ever lived on planet Earth. Wow, I'm going to believe David's view and knowledge of God over the religious view of God, that he is angry with us because of our sins. No, Jesus took care of the sin problem. If you have received what he has done for you, God sees you clean, clean enough to come into his presence and get to know him for yourself. This is why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-five to 28, come to me, learn of me, and you will find rest for your soul. When you learn about the same God who opened the Red Sea for millions of people to walk through on dry ground, the same God who saved three men out of a fiery furnace who came out unburned and not even smelling like smoke, the same God who healed a baby back in the 1950s of 26 major diseases, growing feet on the baby in front of thousands of people. When you get to know this God and you now have impossible looking circumstances in front of you, you'll rest because you have learned and now believe that nothing is too hard for him to turn around in your favor. And you'll say like David, I just want one thing, you, you are all I need even if the whole world is against me. I will rest in your presence because I know in whom I have believed. This is the God that is available to us. This is the God that Satan does not want you to know. Some years back, I had a dream. And in that dream, I was about to do a teaching from Isaiah chapter 40. And as I was in the dream trying to find chapter 40 in the Bible, I couldn't find it. And the reason I couldn't find it is because there were demons that were working, trying to stop me from finding that chapter. They got me so frustrated in the dream that I started cursing. And that's something that I don't do and haven't done for decades. Since that time, I've come to understand why those demons did not want me to teach from this chapter. It reveals God and what's available to us in him in a way that few that have faith in Christ have come to understand. Listen, I'm going to start at verse 1 of chapter 40, Isaiah 40. Here's what it says. Comfort you, comfort you, my people, says your God. Speak you comfortable to Jerusalem. 
and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for he of the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. What this is saying is God says, be comfortable to his people because Jesus has already accomplished the warfare. The war has already been won, already by what Jesus has done. As you read the rest of the chapter, and I won't read all of the chapter, you'll see how God is saying, there's nobody like me. Nobody is likened unto me that all flesh is as grass. In other words, he's saying things are going to be set right upon this earth and you're going to see who I am. The latter part of this chapter is so powerful now that I understand what it is saying that it is how we, the body of Christ, can live in this rest and see God move and work in powerful ways in our life. I'm going to jump over to verses 25 to 31. I'm going to start at verse 25. It says, to whom then will you liken me? This is God talking. He said, to whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who has created these things that brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power, not one fails. Now, understand what God is saying here in this chapter. He's saying not one will fail and they won't fail. He's talking about us, that not one of us will fail if we utilize what he has made available to us in this day of rest in Jesus Christ. Verse 27 says this, why say ye, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hid from the Lord and my judgment is passed over. In other words, Jacob, Israel is saying, Lord, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see when are you going to show up? When are you going to bring judgment? I'm standing for you. I'm doing the right thing. I'm purposing to do the right thing. Where are you? So it appears that judgment is passed over and God's not seeing what he's going. Is that not the case with us many times? But listen to what the Spirit of God says from here. Verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth faints not, neither is weary? So God is saying, hey, get your eyes off of you. You got a God and I never get weary. It goes on to say, there is no searching of his understanding. He, God, gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Now, think about it. How world do you increase strength from somebody that has no might in the beginning? That's a supernatural act. That's what Holy Spirit does in us. That's what she does in us. Now, I know some of you religious people have a problem with me referring to Holy Spirit as a she. Well, if she's not a she, man and woman are not made in the image of God. But I don't have time on this episode to get into that. Go listen to the episode, Is There Femininity in the Godhead? Remember, man and woman are both made in God's image. Anyway, let me go on. Verse 30 says this, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. 
This is telling us, he said, hey, don't beat yourself up because you feel faint and you feel weary. Even the young people that got all this strength, they even get weary and want to faint sometimes. But verse 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, in order to understand what God is doing through Holy Spirit on the inside of us, you got to understand an eagle, because of the way that their wings are made, when there is wind, and even in a storm, they could lock their wings, and that wind will carry them, and they're flying effortlessly. Now, understand what's going on and what's being said here. Holy Spirit in Scripture is referred to, in some cases, as the wind. Okay. Now remember, Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. So when we refuse to quit and we say, I'm going to hold on, I'm going to still will to do your will. At some point, the strength of Holy Spirit will come in and she will strengthen us in such a way that we'll be able to run and not be weary. We'll be able to walk and not faint by the supernatural strength of our God. See, this walk from the beginning of time was meant to be done with God not us on our own, but with God, with God empowering us to do what we could not do in and of ourselves. How does this happen? This happens in rest, but we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your strength in me. I'm going to trust what Jesus has already done. I'm going to live in this rest. I'm going to learn of you and learn how to let you work in circumstances and situations that oppose me and that you will bring to pass victory in such a way that all will know that you did it. This is what's available to us when we learn how to live in this rest, when we learn how to trust God to be who only God can be in our lives. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay. We'll see you on the next episode.